I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Guests appear on the Superbook Sports phone line. Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook Sports Tennessee app today with Jason and John. Live from the Topps Barbecue Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Covers the NBA for the Action Network. Grizzlies coming off a pre-All-Star break win over the Utah Jazz. He joins us now. Matt, what's up, man? Appreciate the time. Hey, guys. Appreciate you guys having me, especially with the Tom Petty intro. Yeah, man. That's what we do. Pleasure. Yeah, our, our, Pleasure. that's our producer, uh, DJ Brad, on the ones and twos over there. So what do we make of the Memphis Grizzlies? They added Luke Kennard, did not pry OG Ananobi or Mikael Bridges away from Brooklyn, and I think we now understand why Brooklyn was not willing to part with Mikael Bridges. What do we make of the Memphis Grizzlies heading into the All-Star break? You know, I think they've probably taken a step forward this year just in terms of you know solidifying what they're great at, uh, establishing the habits, being consistent. They didn't take a, you know, a big step back in terms of winning percentage. That's key. Right, they're still going to win probably over 50 games. Um, that's that's big. They're going to be a danger in the playoffs if they get the right series of matchups. I think they can make a Western Conference Finals. Uh, I do think over the last 20 or so games, we've kind of started to see some of the flaws with the team, some of the things where they have specific weaknesses that are going to bother them, particularly in the playoffs. And I'm not sure that they're going to be able to overcome those unless they hit just the right sequence of events get injury luck or something else. This team, I think, has some deep flaws in it from a playoff perspective. The future's still really bright, but the, I think the big thing is that the summer is going to have to be really big because now you're going to, I think, going to start to see some pressure and expectations mm-hmm. ratchet up. How quickly can they be better offensively once Steven Adams is in there? Do you expect it to happen fast? I think they've dropped to 15th uh, over an offensive rating. Can How much better can that get with Steven Adams back in there? You think it goes right back up? Yeah, I think significantly just because, look, the two-man game between him and Jaw is really good where not just the role pressure that he puts in pick and rolls and how good he is as a screener, but also his passing, right? Like being able to put him in the pinch post and then have Jaw run run DHO action, all those types of things really help with just generating easy buckets, offensive rebounds, things like that. So, like, Adams coming back is going to help a lot for the regular season. The problem is, if you remember the Wolves series last year, when they faced a team that was able to put so much pressure on them and attack the drop scheme 
they weren't able to really keep him on the floor. And they're going to face a lot of those types of teams in the playoffs, most likely. So while I think, you know, Steven, I love, love Steven Adams. I've loved him since he was a rookie. I don't know that, you know, it's like he can, he can, he can put a Band-Aid on the regular season stuff and help them get the two seed. But I don't know that, it, that he's going to be the solve for what they're looking at for the playoffs. In terms of, you know, what constitutes success and, and you know, a, a step forward, um, d- does it have to be winning a second-round series to be a step forward? Is is being the two-seed again and, and, and winning a first round enough? Like, how do you, you know, because it, they've already been so far ahead of schedule, it, it, it almost, you know, you feel a little guilty saying, well, you have to go win a second-round series now. So what's the right way to assess you know, the trajectory of the Grizzlies year to year? I mean, I think up until a week ago, it was you got to make the conference finals just because the West was right. very was so vulnerable, right? You looked at it and you're just like, um, you know, it's Denver and then uh, a lot of mess. And there are still vulnerable teams, I think, that the, that the Grizzlies can play. But, you know, <laughs> if it's going to wind up being, let's say that the Warriors get their act together after the All-Star break, and it winds up being like, this is where I have it projected right now, is I have it Suns in the three and the Warriors in the six with Memphis in the two. So even if Memphis gets past, it's probably going to be a weaker opponent in the two seven. Might be the Lakers, but let's say it's a weaker opponent they can beat in the two seven. You're going to have to go through either the Suns or the Warriors in that three six, uh, coming out of that three six. And I think part of the key here is, if they put up a real fight with Phoenix, if it's close, if it's a battle, if it goes six games, you know, into the fourth quarter, goes seven games, and people are like, boy, I really think Memphis can win this at any point in that series, then I think you probably accomplish what you need to. But if you get to that second round and it's either, you know, Golden State, who, you know, they went six with last year, but that's a really good matchup for them, and it was with that crazy game five, you know, if the second round you just look at it and you go, Memphis is not on this tier then I think you're in real trouble. If they lose to a Dallas team, let's say that they slip a little bit and they face Dallas in a 3-6, that would be, a, a, I think, a big downturn for them. And that's something they're vulnerable to with how Dallas has matched up with them. So they need the right sequence if they're going to be able to make a run and kind of live up to expectation, I think, this season. You going to follow up, John? No, I was going to say, like, yeah. I, 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 is, da- is that matchup with Dallas not totally different now, though? I mean, I think it's different, but I think it's, it might be worse. You know, I think it might be worse with considering what Kyrie's able to bring to the table. You know, defensively, you can argue, like, well, look, their defense is so much softer. That's true. The question is just, like, look, the Mavericks are, gonna, are going to slow the game down. They're going to grind out. because That's their only way they can win is, like, Luka dribbles the ball up, goes ice out. They'll do some action with Kyrie. Kyrie will do some stuff in transition. They're worse defensively without Dorian Finney-Smith. But they're also probably have a little bit of upside with that. And like that's going to be a question of the Mavericks' very soft half-court defense versus the Grizzlies' very inept half-court offense. And when you combine those two into a slow game, that puts the recipe for some clutch time that can get really stressful, especially given how Lucas played versus them through the years in the matchups. Matt, how much more is there in terms of, and this was sort of the storyline afterwards that there's, you know, Jenkins is saying there's more to get from Jaron Jackson. Like he's just scratching the surface on how good he can be. You see him at the four threes, what five steals, four blocks last night in a 26 point effort. Like how much, how much better can he get? How much, how much higher is the ceiling on Jaron Jackson? It, it's so high, and I'm so encouraged by what I've seen from him this season. Like the big win for me 
with the Grizzlies this season is Jaron Jackson. It's not just what he's done on the defensive end, where he's very almost definitely going to win defensive player yes. of the year if he stays healthy, knock on wood. It's the offense. Is that for so many years I was like, you got to have like a set that you can go to. Like you yeah. got to have moves yes. that you that you feel like you can get to. You got to have spots that you're trying to get to versus everything seeming very random and improvised. And he's been so much better on that end this year. You know, he's <clears throat> added runners. He's added you know some some pivot moves. He's added stuff to his game as well as you know the three point shooting to make him a complete player. Like he looks like he's headed towards being that complete package that he's capable of being. And that's really exciting because if you're able to add around that, you know, starting next season, like the long-term projection for the Grizzlies is still superb based off of jaws going to get better with the jumper, like uh, off of the pick and roll, pull up Jays, which he needs. And Jaron's going to add more to his game to round it out. And you've got Desmond and like, that's all going to get better. But right now there's still just like a lot of work to be done. Talking to Matt Moore from the Action Network, uh, catch him at, at the Action Network, joins us here uh, on the show. On Dallas, they, it has not looked great uh, with Kyrie yet. Is that is that simply something that you will chalk up to that Luka and Kyrie haven't had many reps together and it will look better as the season goes on? Um, what what do you What's your assessment of the Mavs in that trade so far? I mean, I would chalk it up to, I think, instead of reps together, I think it's more that while Luca was out, if he apparently had some reps lifting pints, um, he has looked <laughs> awful. Uh, he is like, I don't know how he got that out of shape in such a short period of time, but like last night, he just looked terrible. He was huffing in the first quarter. Um, and that's a big part of it. It was funny. They went two and O with Kyrie mm-hmm. and then, and then Oh, and two with Kyrie and Luca and then lost last night with Luca without Kyrie. Um, you know, I think Luca will probably, you know, play his way back into shape and be fine. I've actually liked what Irving has brought to them. You know, like the on-court stuff with Kyrie is always really good until he causes disaster. We'll see if he can make it through the remaining, you know, however many months of the season, two months until the playoffs without any drama. But uh, I, I think that that combo can really can do some things. I do think it's been exaggerated how much more dynamic that offense can be. It's like, oh, this is exactly what they need to be more dynamic. Yeah, but, like, Luca would have to choose to play differently, and he won't. Like, it's still going to be a lot of your turn, my turn, because that's how Luca plays. Like, I don't think Luca's gotten enough attention for how they play as a reflection of how he wants to play. And so it's still going to be very predictable. Now, he's awesome when he's locked in, but it's going to be a matter of can he be healthy, can he be in shape, and can guys hit shots like Reggie Bullock in order to make him pay? Matt, if they're healthy – uh, and and they've got work to do. They're a couple of games out of of play-in status right now. But but how much of a threat are the Lakers if healthy? This version of the of the Lakers after the the trade deadline. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still pretty skeptical. Um, it's not that they didn't get better. They got better. My problem is everyone's like, look at how much better they got. And it's like, yeah, but look at where they started. Mm-hmm, the like whole, if you go yeah. up two levels from negative four, you're still like a negative two. I think they can make the play-in. I think that. You know, if they get in to that 2-7, that's going to be really fascinating. I could also see Memphis absolutely stomping them just based off of, like, we're just better. Um, you know, it's like you added D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt, and Rui Hachimura. Like, none of those guys. It's like, whoa. Now, I think they fit their roles well. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, everyone's going to be like, we have a look at that Pelicans game. I'm like, okay, but look at the one before. <laughs> like they, You know, and that was without LeBron. I get it. But the Pels are also in a really bad spot right now and just limping into the all-star break. They've been struggling without Zion. 
So, you know, we'll see what they, how they do in the, the closing months of the schedule. But I do think the Lakers will be dangerous because of LeBron. But I also just don't – on top of everything, how can you feel like you know that Anthony Davis is going to be able to play? I don't. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm still kind of like, mm, we'll, we'll see on the Lakers. So I, I fully acknowledge that I might be higher on them than, than the market and mostly everybody else, but I can get Golden State to win the 2022-23 championship at plus 1,800. Now, let's just we're going to have to assume that Steph will be fine when they have their normal starting five out there. They have the best offensive rating in the NBA. Is this simply a bet against Steph's health at plus 1,800? Like, uh, what am I missing here? I think, well, one, we saw this last year when Steph got hurt, their number went bonkers, and I was betting it like crazy because I was just like, guys, he's going to come back. So you're absolutely right, like the number's wrong. Like the number reacts like regular season performance, and part of that is, is like if Steph's injured, what if he doesn't come back? Like that gets baked into the number, regardless of what the chances of that are. Um, so like the number's wrong. I will, I will agree with you there. The thing here is like they're so bad on the road. Like, it is atrocious. Them and Memphis both are just horrible. And Denver, too, to a large degree. They're really bad on the road. And if they have to go multiple series against good teams with their bench, now, like, their starters are still awesome. When they have their starting five, that's still been the best net rating in the league. And that's why, like, a lot of people are like, well, you know, when it comes down to it, but we just we haven't seen a team below a top three seed make a real run in a long time, and there's a reason for that. Um, I think we'll, we're gonna we're gonna get to the end of the Warriors run, and now they'd be like, of course, like how could we ever doubt them? Or we're gonna be like, oh, they told us for six months that they weren't a great team, and they weren't a great team, and we're just gonna have to see. I think there's value on that number, but it's gonna be really tough for them, especially with how I think the lay of the land is gonna look for them from a seeding perspective. Celtics above everybody else for you, Matt. Nuggets, uh, you know, Boston, yeah, look, I mean, Boston's tailed off a little bit. Boston has such an, a ridiculous offensive start to the season, and they've stabilized on defense, and that's helped them. Mm-hmm. But the offense has kind of gotten back a little bit more to, like, human levels if you take out that start for them in terms of the shooting. There's also just, like, a bunch of matchups I worry about for, for Boston in the East, Cleveland, and those type of teams. Denver, to me, has been the most complete team. Like, since December 7th, they're – the best offense in the league with the seventh best defense. Wow. Like nobody really – because they were so bad to start, nobody's really caught on to the fact that they can defend. They rattled off these wins despite missing MPJ, Jamal Murray, or Aaron Gordon for various stretches. And when they hit you at home, I don't know how you beat this Nuggets team at home. And somebody's going to have to do it in order to win the series. So to me, it's the Nuggets at the top, very close behind them that would have to be the Boston Celtics. Uh, okay. How bullish are you on Phoenix? I mean, they're adding the greatest scorer of this generation in Kevin Durant. Um, but you know, and I know that the, I know that it shrinks. I know that the rotation shrinks when you get to the playoffs, and that's all fair. But man, the Suns have like zero depth, and like I just, I just feel like this is not two thousand nine. You know, like the the days of the like I think that's what makes Boston and 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 Denver like so appealing because like they go get Muscala. You know, and they go and and they have uh, Hauser coming in there and hitting six threes against the Grizz. Like th- those guys can go super deep if needed. The Suns are not going to have that luxury. How high are you on them? I'm very much in wait and see mode, right? And it, it's one of those where it's like if they if they look as dominant as they can, everyone's gonna be like, "What? How would you doubt them?" 
But then it's like, look, I just I got to see it. Uh, one thing is that KD with both the Warriors and honestly with the Thunder to a certain degree and with the Nets, it's like there's this one offense and then there's KD tacked on the side. Now, I think Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker are excellent fits to maximize that because of how they play. Devin's a really underrated passer. And they're going to be, like, high-level elite. And KD's still fine with playing heavy, heavy minutes as long as he doesn't get hurt, which has been a little bit of an issue, understandably. Um, Chris Paul, I think, is a leverage point in this, is that Chris is, like, he's not what he was. Can he get there for three series? Can he get there for two series? Like, can they survive a series where he's vulnerable both on the offensive and defensive end? I think those are serious question marks. And then you're right that the the bench is an issue. I tend to worry less about benches because you can just play the starters heavy minutes. But I do think that if KD is having to be the primary wing defender and he's having to be what he is on offense, that's a heavy, heavy usage load on a guy that suffered an Achilles tear that Mm -hmm. has his injury history at his age. Like the whole thing is like, yeah, this can work. But it's a very – it is a beautifully built house of cards, which can hold, but they need to make sure that there's not a strong breeze. And then last thing, Matt, is, is the deal in Memphis going to be a, a little bit like it was with Danny Ainge in Boston where you just – you hoard all these picks and you have them all and, you know, you always get mentioned in terms of big deals and yet the big deal never really happens. Like, is that how it goes or do you think ultimately they do cash in, whether it's this summer or – or down the road, like, what do you think that looks like for the Grizzlies? Timing is such a big part of this, right? Like, everybody knows, like, they were willing to do the deal this year. That was that was out there. That was It was apparent. Everybody knows that. But they had to deal with Masai Ujiri, who wants blood from stone. Like, that's just how it goes. The GM told me that. Like, you're dealing with Masai. He's always trying to get blood from stone. You know, if a player comes available that they think is, like, the right fit in an opportune moment and they can get into those conversations – quickly and aggressively like the Suns did, then they're in a really good spot to be able to make that deal. But so much of these trades, the key trades that teams make, it's less about how good your front office is or how good your cache of assets is, and it's more about timing and opportunity. And those are things you really can't control. You set yourself up the best you can, you be ready to strike, and you hope you get it done. Uh, I do think that Memphis needs to make examine as many options for who that piece could be as possible. Think outside the lines, take some risk. Their, their trust and their talent evaluation should be sky high. They've been right. So just like find the guy that you think is going to be what you need and make whatever effort you can to go get him. And everything else I think is up to fate. And then the last thing I said, that was the last thing. This is the real last thing. We were, we were having this discussion before you came on. Should Penny Hardaway be in the hall of fame to you? I think so. Um, I know it's, that would get a lot of pushback based off of, lack of accomplishment, but like you look at just like how prolific he was in his time. I think it would be an awesome recognition of a player that was hugely influential to a generation that's gotten lost to time because of the injuries. Um, I think his contributions across the board in basketball, both in the NBA and beyond, I think matter. And I, I, to me, like Penny Hardaway is a signature athlete in the, in nineties basketball culture and deserves that recognition. Hey Matt, great stuff, man. Thank you, brother. Appreciate the time stuff, as always. Matt. Anytime, guys. Take care. He is Matt Moore. Covers NBA for the Action Network. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best.
best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.